A holy and pure God cannot excuse sin. But he said, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. He is too pure with eyes to look upon evil. What should we say to this? Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I Text today is from John 14, verses 5 through 12. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I will say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. So one of the things I want to talk about today is a pro- some of the problems in knowing God. There are problems. In, have you ever had a problem knowing God? Good, because he has a problem knowing you too. So let's get on the same page. We've got problems knowing God. There's, there are obstacles in the way. There are problems. And in fact, as we kind of get closer to it, the problems seem to multiply. They don't decrease. They don't decrease. And even as you grow in maturity, I think the problems get bigger. And what we do is we wind up living in, the, in paradoxes. We wind up living in a paradox where contrary truths or what appear to be contrary truths compete and they work against us. But this is all over the scripture. It's all over our Bible. It's all, it's in the warp and the woof of what it is the word talks about. And the first place we see it is in the ancient, in the Old Testament. That's where we first place we really find this crisis. Now, the crisis I'm describing exists right here. Lord, show us. Lord, show us. And then Christ's response, right here, this is the, this to me, this is one of those places where, where Jesus is saying things, and if, unless you're really listening, you don't get just how remarkable, how astounding, how earth-shattering, how, how unsettling his words really are. Phil says, show us. Phil says, show me. What is he, from Illinois? The show me state. Show me. It's very American, actually, isn't it? Show me. Show me the money. Remember that? Remember this? Show me, show me it's true, show me it's real. And so Phil says, show me, or show us, show us, because we want to see it. And then Christ rips off this statement. He says this thing, I don't even know how to get around it. Look, in the end, I am a failure as a minister. You know that, as a preacher. Because ultimately, I, 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 can't, I can't deliver to you these mysteries the way I, way I want to. Because <laughs> they are mysteries. Why is this one a mystery? 
Well, there are not a lot of good Jews in the room. So a good Jew growing up in the, are there any? I don't even know if there are any. But, 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 but uh, you, you would know, you would recognize this expression right this show us. Because that's where the, the paradox began. Or one of the places it first kind of arose with potent power dictating you there's a problem. And that is with Moses. Moses says something very similar to Phil. And what Moses asks is, to God, show me your glory. Reveal to me who you are. I want to know. I want to see it. I want to have it. I want it tangible. Show, show me your glory. It is one of the oddest interchanges. It's Exodus 34. One of the oddest little interchanges back and forth in the Bible. And there's a few of those in the Old Testament. Several of them happen actually with Moses. But, but as it happens, Moses in this moment, he has been leading the people of Israel. He's frustrated. He's been leading the people of God. They don't want God. He's been leading them and they don't want him. It's a crisis again and again. He is leading hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of people. And they're a big headache. And he asked to show. He asked the show us question to God. And this is what God says. I can't do that. No man sees my face and lives. <laughs> he draws a line in the sand. God says, there's a problem. There's a problem, Moses, that you have not solved and I have not solved. There is a problem. There is a gap. There is a gulf. There is a separation. There is an enmity. It's even worse than merely God doesn't know you. God has issues with you, Eric. He has real, pertinent, present problems with you, Alex, and me as sinful, sinful people. And the problem, the problems multiply. Most we're just about to see. But that, but that crisis, this, and the paradox continues. So Moses is not allowed. And Moses is the one who talks to God as if, like to a friend. He is the summit, the height, the very pinnacle of somebody knowing God in the Bible. But he can't see him. Well, time tools along, and as God's revealing himself, Isaiah sees him. And then Ezekiel sees him. But what they see, they still have the problem because as they begin to communicate what they saw of God, it's always like this. I saw one like a son of man, like the son in full of his strength, one who was like burnished bronze, one who was like, kind of like a sort of, kind of like a... What, what, so what's the language? What's happening in the language there? The language is struggling with the paradoxes that are being presented. You are not permitted to see God, Melody, but there's Isaiah looking. Why isn't he dead? You're not allowed to see God. You're an unholy man, Frankie. Then why is Ezekiel not struck down? Isaiah even falls to his face, doesn't he? He says, I'm done. I'm dead. My life is over because I know what it means to see this God. And the problems are too big for me. That's what he's saying. Of course, an angel solves that by bringing a coal from the altar. That'll become relevant in just a moment. As a coal from the altar is supposed to be a picture of Jesus. But, but all right, so Jesus says this, and you hear it. He, he is saying, he is positioning himself beautifully at the heart of real paradox. Uh, and, and well, let's keep unpacking and see where it gets us. Let's look at now that paradox, how that paradox is. And, and before we even go there, I want to, 
When he does, this is what he gets, by the way. What does he get? Will you read it responsibly for me? Because we have it written responsibly. I pulled it out of our worship from a month ago or two months ago. The I am descended in the cloud and stood with him there. That's Moses. And proclaimed the name of the I am. Can't see him, remember? Can't see him. And the I am passed before him and proclaimed the I am, the I am, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, who will by no means clear the guilty. And Moses bowed his head in worship. Right, the reason I brought this up is what name, tell me, my dear brothers and sisters, what name does John in his gospel keep putting in Jesus' mouth over and over again, multiplied over in our text? Oh, he is what? The way, the truth, and the life. I am. And John wants you to take Everything that God is here and realize Jesus fulfills it. Jesus uh, makes it real and actualizes it into the world so that it is visible, tangible, and accessible for you and me. Real love. All right, so these words, I want to, they echo in my mind, they echo in my heart because they're, 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 that's, what, that's what John's doing when Christ says, I the I am. He's resolving something. He's resolving this crisis and these paradoxes. And the paradoxes come in three flavors, spiritual, moral, and practical. And spiritual problem, we say, show us God and reveal it to us. But here's the problem. Death cannot live. You were dead, as the scriptures say. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. The separation of life and death is an insuperable one. The death does not sit down with life. It just doesn't happen. You don't sit down with dead people to eat, do you? To be with them, to have fellowship with them, to know them. The, death, the dead do not know the living, and the living do not know the dead, do they? The, the separation of life and death is an absolute line. Ah, ah, but, ah, but what are we, ah, you know, you know what the answers are to these. Oh, where, where, this, where this cash is in, because we believe in rebirth. There's a solution to the paradoxes that are alive in us or alive in our death. All right, I'm mixing my metaphors. Let's not, let's not worry about it. Second is a moral, is a moral distance, a moral gulf, a moral separation. A holy and pure God cannot excuse sin. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. He is too pure with eyes to look upon evil. What should we say to this? This is absolute majesty, absolute purity, unstained, untouched by you and me. What should we do? How can we know? How can we approach? How can we hope? Are you good enough? Am I good enough? Could we get good enough? And of course, we can't. And then practical, finite man cannot what? Comprehend the infinite. God is just too big. <laughs> he's just too big. There's no other way to say it. We talk about his eternity. He's just really, really big. He's so much bigger than you can possibly comprehend. And his thoughts are not even your thoughts. He doesn't think like you. He doesn't imagine like you. He isn't thinking the way we're thinking. It's just transcendence. But Jesus just said, he who has seen me, <laughs> is what? Has seen the Father. He's, it seems like contravening all the, he's plowing through the obstacles, isn't he? He's just saying, they don't exist in this moment. As I stand before you, Phil, 
I am the, I am, you are cashing in in your desire. You're cashing in on what Moses wanted and what Isaiah glimpsed and Ezekiel was afraid to see. They have in abundance. They, they didn't just see him. Stand up, Eric. I'm going to pick on you anyway. Do you know what, do you know what they actually did? Eric is Jesus now. See, I'm complimenting you. I'm not, not being mean to you. It'll last a little while. Just be patient. He's Jesus. Now, I want you to get this. This is, let's say I'm Peter. Oh, excuse me, Jesus. Now, have a seat. What am I, that's my point. What happened to my elbow? It bumped eternity. You see, nobody's prepared. Peter's not, nobody's ready. None of them get it. None of them can put their head around it. None of them can imagine that all those promises and that paradox of how a God could love but not love the wicked, who could, who could be infinite and eternal, but touch the finite and the mortal and be known, all that, and, and you don't know, boom, right there at the elbow, near. So, so we know what Christ would talk sometimes. Sometimes my spit flies. Does my spit fly badly? I don't know if the lights catch it. I don't know if Jesus was a spitter, but I'm going to say he was right now. <laughs> what I mean is, at some point, what was that? That was just the Holy Spirit. That was good. <laughs> Alex, that was, Alex, that'll preach. All right, so, good, good stuff. Yeah, because actually, a little bit later in John, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So that's not, that, that's not too shabby. <laughs> What's the point here? Sometime, at some point, while Christ was talking, some of his, the, the aerated, uh, water in his mouth probably landed on other people. And it happens when people talk to people. Eternal spit. No, I, the reason I'm teasing is because that, that's, that's how amazing this is. That's how you get your head around it. You're like, really? Really? Like, that's the only conclusion. Otherwise, this is a sham. Christ being a man is a sham. It's a joke. It's, it's just some game he played. No, 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 no. He must be God and man, truly, for this to have meaning that saves and rescues. The problems of spiritual and moral and practical separation create uh, the bridge diagrams, don't they? The bridge diagram. Now, I put this up because it's just so freaking helpful. Uh, there's God. Here's humanity. Here's the spiritual, moral, and, and practical gulf between you. You know what I don't like about this illustration? Have you ever, how many, you, most of you have seen it, right? Most of you may have seen it. It's worth putting, it's just, look, the first time I saw it, I was in seminary. And I remember thinking, oh, that makes so much sense. Like, you just kind of go to one of those aha moments. You're like, oh yeah, what a great idea. What a great picture. What I don't like about this picture is the gulf does not exist outside of God. You see, there's not God in you, and then there's a gulf between us. It's not really how it goes. There's a, God is that gulf. God himself is that gulf in his person, in his holiness, in his eternity. It's not, it's not like we're both in this together and blessing God and, and we got to figure out how we can get together. No, the gulf is in him and his character, in him and his holiness, in him and his eternity. And the reason I don't like this is because in one sense, it, it just makes it a little too simple. And that simplicity can be helpful. But of course, what goes across the gap Jesus, the cross, my chunky little <laughs> cross. Yeah, it's pretty bad, isn't it? Looking at it right now, I wanted to make it red. I, I'm terrible at this PowerPoint stuff. I don't really care, though, do I? 
So, uh, before we get there, so what I want to I want to bring this down, kind of kind of draw draw this into focus. He says, "He who has seen me has seen." What, what about Jesus? And this is where I think that goal, that 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 uh, bridge diagram also fails, because what? How does Christ save you, Mia? How does he say rescue you, Adele? By his life too, by his living and being here. That is what it, for him to become flesh was what signaled hope for you, Rochelle, and hope for your flesh. Hope for us that we can be something more than what we are, that we can know God and touch him and we can be transformed. And you see, there's a lot of hope wrapped just in him being, right? But that isn't enough, is it? Because for him to be here, for him to be here, there were still all of these paradoxes with sinful, mortal, unwilling people being wrapped up into intimacy with God. How does it happen? He has to go to a cross. So he saves by being a substitute and then linking, linking the pieces together. He does even, but he has to go beyond that. He has seen him, has seen the Father in resurrection, right? In his resurrection power. The Holy Spirit declared Christ to be the Son of God with power. So the scriptures say, by raising him from the dead. So without, he got equivocally, everything has been changed. And so both who he is and what he did, and then finally how he rose, it's all. I mean, that's, and, 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 and even those mysteries were still... The paradoxes still exist. You know, Paul talks about this when he talks about prayer. I pray that you may have a knowledge that surpasses knowing. Well, what is that? You see, we're still living, aren't we? We're still existing in some of that paradox, in some of those tensions and how they live in our lives. I think it actually is very, very living in our lives. Because we know that we still sin, and we're still frustrated, and we're still aware of so much personal failure. But one of the things that's happening here, one of the things that's beautiful in this, in this is the transitive, oh, not yet. All right, we'll get there in a second. I jumped ahead of my own story. It's the transitive power of holiness. If we, if Jesus is holy and we're in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father, then you are in the Father. The transit, it's the transitive power of holiness. Christ comes, he rescues you, right? And he takes you with him, grace. He's rescuing grace by grace. Right? But once you're in him, now you are also in the Father. It is by, by, by that, that transition, the transitive power, transitive property of holiness is what saves us. It means that everything Christ contains in his paradoxical person and his work is reckoned to Nelly. It is on deposit for Peter and it is immediately valuable and immediately transformative for Melody and for Sidwin and for me. Now, having said all that, I want to get into the nitty-gritty here. I want to get down to brass tacks because I, I want to get down to this because, uh, all right, what I'm going to say is this is essential for our going, our knowing, our showing, our believing, and our doing, and even expanding the kingdom. This is the setup. And let me begin with this. I... I want to, I want to, I'm a little rocked by this. This is, this only happens a few verses before, and I, and I decided to put it up here so you could see it, because I want you to see the language problem. Will you lay down your life with me? This is talking to Peter. Peter's about to blow him off in a big way and uh, lie about knowing him. And uh, Peter's been, he's, he's really boastfully kind of saying he's never going to leave. I'll lay down my life for you, Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, you won't. 
Well, you lay down, you don't, you won't, you're, 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 you don't know what you're talking about. And then he uses this, this, this um, code word, this code phrase of his. You familiar with it? Truly, truly? Truly, truly. What does it mean? Actually, in the old, in the old translations, it's amen. Amen. That's what amen means, truly. So when I say something that you really believe or you know to be true, an appropriate response is truly or Thank you. I was pointing to Frankie. I was trying to get a good amen out of him. I got, that was a little lame, Frankie. All right. Usually we don't put amens with a prediction about somebody's sinful failure. I'm going to sinfully fail next week. Anybody? Yeah, you see what I mean? Like, that doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like, you're all like, what, what am I supposed to say? No, it doesn't make any, it's a weird way to put it, right? And it's a weird way to use this particular construction. When Christ uses it, he usually is popping out something really big for you. Like who he is, like what he does, like something real, like a per, some, some intimate revelation of his plan, his person, or his, or his principles, right? He's going to put it all out there. He says, truly, truly. But here he doesn't. He's, doing, he's talking about Peter's disobedience. Hmm. Well, this is the problem I have with that. Is that transitive power of holiness. You see, the transitive power of holiness comes by faith. You are one with Jesus who is one with the Father. And now what happens? Now what happens? Peter's the one who taught us that we are now partakers in the divine nature. What has happened, Frankie? You are a part. You are the vision of the Father now. In the You, all of us, even in our sinful crimes, he has appointed the revelation of his love. And he knows you. He knows you, Johnny. He knows the disobedience that's in your heart and that will have out, right? And he's staked out love over you in his knowledge. And that's where it breaks down for me. That's where I have the hardest time believing this. What do you mean he who sees me too, that sees us, can see God? It was in Corey's prayer that if he sees us, that, we, that we'll be a, that through, that when people would see you or see that person he was praying for, they would see God. We, know, we do talk about this all the time. And what Christ is saying there at that moment in this mystical and amazing paradox, as he breaks all the rules of Old Testament issues with the holiness of God, he's really saying, he's turning it around. It's you with him that are now the hope for the gospel to come into the world. And we, we are the bridge die. Even, even in our crimes. Because he knows I have a perfect love to reveal when I take the most broken event. Look, one of the things I cannot stand. I cannot stand. What am I going to say? Look, I've only, I think I've been divorced like three or four years now. And, and, you know, you, you meet somebody kind of evangelical or they'll visit the church. This happened. And I'll, and I'll tell them I'm divorced. And I don't know, maybe, I, maybe I'm too sensitive. But I think I can pretty much read when somebody dismisses you. You're no longer, oh, you're one of those, you know. That hurts. It hurts like hell. It hurts awfully inside. I mean literally. 
It is the wounds of the able one. What does that cause me to do? I'll tell you what it caused me to do. I had a brief moment, and I'm sorry to say, I had a brief moment. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Because it's just like, I'm starting out crippled. I'm starting out with, 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 with I, have, I already have a, 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 all this against me, right? The point spread is not in my favor. You know, it's everything's against me. What am I? And what God is saying, what he was saying through Peter by telling him before was what? In my sovereign love, in my sovereign care, I will reveal, people will see me and see the Father even in your brokenness. I know who and what you are, Philip. Ah, in me, we will reveal the It's It's the promise. We will reveal and be the glory of God as his people. And, and it's so hard for us to be in this, to, to go there, because to be there and just a hope for the gospel, that means we have to be sold out, right? We have to be completely sold out that Jesus loves sinners, and I'm the first one I know. And, I, and he's going to do something. And my going, my going is his going. Praise him, hey, right? And my believing is what? His believing in me. Oh, his trust in me, his coming to me is I'm believing. Praise him. <laughs> what is my doing? But his doing through me, his work in me. Praise him. Why should I hope for greater works? And we're going to look at that next week. We're going to look at, there's so much here. I, I, I'll tell you something. I'm going through this text. It, I feel like I'm, I'm just stepping on diamonds. I'm walking. We're walking on glory. Every clause here is dripping with transcendence. Like we're going to do greater works. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do. For, and here, it, these are the most glorious eternal truths. And he's just spilling them out like candy. <laughs> They're everywhere. And here's this one. This requires, and this is why, this is why when I know you're not sharing the gospel, when you're not sharing the gospel with people, it's because you're not living in the gospel yourself. In, in your paradoxes are part of how God wants to communicate his truth. You're a bundle of paradoxes, Ted. It's one of the things I love about you. And therefore, he reflects the glory and plan and work of our Father, just like the Son who Ted is in. And the transitive power of holiness that comes by faith, you are one with Jesus who is one with the Father. And now you, now you, <sighs> say it isn't so. Now, if, you will, if you'll permit me, as we're kind of going this, I, want to, I just want to focus on a couple things about this. I want to present you with hope. You see, this is where, this is why, so I talked this thing about being divorced and, and the stigma of it and the way people look at you and the failure that you feel. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, Father, what do I do with that? How do I have hope? And that's what this provides. You see, it doesn't make any sense that this reveals God, that this, that this, <laughs> this, even this. <laughs> I made him a sermon illustration of Jesus for crying out loud. Didn't anybody think that I could have picked somebody better than Eric to, to, to be a picture of Jesus? Probably. No, but I couldn't, could I? Because that's, that's the whole point. There's hope for this flesh. You see, all those paradoxes that those men struggle with. When, Moses fell, when, 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 when Isaiah falls in his face, and he says, I'm done, undone. What, woe is me, I, I, am un, I, am, I have seen the Lord Almighty. I'm a man of unclean lips, of drills amongst a people of unclean lips, and I've seen the Lord. He's, he is done. And then from the altar, which is a representation of the cross and the resurrection and the power and the love of Jesus, 
comes with a he comes with a burning a burning coal to touch his mouth. Yes, this is what Jesus does. Here's your burning coal right here, right? Here it is. Here's your burning coal. Here it is. Here it is. Let this touch your mouth. We have, there, this is real hope for us when we feel really hopeless. And let's look around us. If we look even at first press, you know, we can be a little discouraged, you know? You can be like, wow, these people are not that nice or friendly or down. nobody calls me when I'm down and stuff like that. I know. It's, you know sometimes the community could be, even church community could be so flimsy and you wonder if people really... Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Praise him that it doesn't matter. <laughs> There's hope for this flesh. And I'm so great to give up hope sometimes. Aren't you? All right. What else do we get? Um, hope. There's also holiness. Why is it that I, I, I encourage you to keep your bodies pure, to keep your mouth from, from evil words and, and cursings? And, and, and why, why is it important about premarital sex? Or, and all the, why is all of this so important? Why is it so important what you look at online, what you, what you take in? Because he, look in the mirror, brother. Look in the mirror, my dear sister. You're looking at the face of our father and his work in the world. This is holy. This is holy. This is holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole what is filled with his glory. Whole earth includes San Francisco. Finally, and finally, I want you to hear this you is always in the plural. You see, Christ takes Phil's words and he doesn't talk to Phil, does he? He talks to all of them and they're confused and they're alarmed. They don't understand. They gave everything for him. Now he's going somewhere. They don't know where. They don't know why. They don't know he's God. It's so scary. What's going to happen? He dies. They are so bewildered, afraid, and scared, and they have no idea. Oh, that's exactly what I felt like on Thursday. Anybody else? Or was it Wednesday for you? Which day was it for you this week? Okay. And there's a promise for us together that, God, that people will see God and how I love Melody and how she loves me. How grace forgives Tao and how Tao loves Scott and how Frankie is committed to Gina. And what, what do they begin to see? What do they begin? And what, what you know, in a sense, I, I, I just, I want Christ to be over us right now and say something like this. Won't you, I, I, maybe this is sometimes I want a blessing from Jesus. I really, Jesus does bless people sometimes. He, he compliments the centurion on his faith. And wouldn't it be wonderful to hear Christ say, you know, whoever saw first press, <laughs> they have seen the father. They have seen me. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to boast about? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to see and real and taste in one another? This is holy, and the way we love each other is holy, and we better get more involved with each other and loving each other is holy, because this is the, look around you. This is the presence of God. Do, do, do not dare trifle with it. You dare not ignore it. You dare not. Oh, praise him. Praise him. This wonderful, wonderful love. Oh, let's pray. Dear Father, I love you. I thank you for your word. I want more. I'm so ashamed of what I am, what things I do. 
so ashamed of my own heart. And there you are, saying, truly, truly, I knew that. Truly, truly, I knew you. I knew what you'd do. Can you hear Jesus saying, that's us? I knew what you'd do. And then you reveal your love and holiness to us anyway. In us, anyway. <laughs> Through us, anyway. All these paradoxes, all these hard, it's, you know, it's so hard. It's, you know, we say, show us, Father, and we mean it. And uh, I guess that's what the world says to us, show us. <laughs> and I hope, Father, that you would show the world you're, you're here and living as the living God by, by the way we as a bunch of folks love you and chase holiness and Oh, yes, Father, let this reality come to bear now. Give us joy in the Holy Spirit, joy in you, and joy in our union, and joy in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and broke it. And you ever, Does anybody ever feel like I'm being irreverent when I take the table and I throw it around? Good. Let me tell you something. I'm doing that intentionally. This is not holy. This is not special. You are special for Jesus. You are special. These don't mean anything. Except as they're received by faith. Right? Now, if I took it out of your mouth and threw it on the ground, you'd have a reason to be mad at me. He took bread and he broke. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Take and eat. And in the same way he also took a cup, a cup of wine. He poured it and he said, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, 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 take and drink. And again, you know, I've talked about this before. Uh, the, the, the mysteries of God's penetrating matter and the world and our flesh is, is figured forth in the metabolic processes. That You see, the bread just became me. Jesus, yeah. It's so simple. This is for all the really slow people in the room. Amen? And we're all slow. Amen? Yeah. So I, I invite you to, by faith, come to the table. This table is for sinners who are in the paradox of being saints at the same time, aren't they? <laughs> aren't we the sinner saints? Aren't we living in paradox? This is your, in that wretched, weird world of living in that paradox, this is your table. Here's a paradox for you. How can this even contain? How could this contain the presence of the Holy Spirit that way? How heck if I know? All right. So if you're, you know the drill. If you're, if you're a sinner, this is your table. But the opposite is if you're, if you, if you're a good person, if you think you're a good person, if you present yourself to God as if there is no obstacle between you and Him, then I'm sorry to say the obstacles remain. <laughs> And if you think there's no obstacle between you and God because of you, then God has an obstacle in his heart against you. Good people. Good people. Um, are in conflict with God. Finally, if you're a skeptic and you find my claims absurd, unrealistic, unproved, unproved or, or uh, tenuous, well, give it, give it a chance. It'll, uh, there's truth here that will set your heart free. And someday I hope you will envy us in your envy of our intimacy with God. I hope you will see 
the Father. <laughs> Amen? Anyway, let's pray that. All right, so let's, uh, this is our table. Um, so let's, we're going to go into a time of, uh, we're going to do the mystery of faith, and then we'll do the Apostles' Creed, by which, uh, which is a, a, a set of claims of which I ask you to assent having in space, happening in space and time, and then we'll take the table and sing. Oh, we're going to end with uh, all to Jesus I surrender, aren't we? Oh, yeah, what a great, isn't that a great response to that, that's, to that, uh, to that message? All to Jesus I surrender, yeah. He's holding mine. Oh, I love that. All right, so that's uh, perfect for that. So we'll be singing that as an affirmation of the sermon, taking all of God into us here and saying we want all of him and all of us in the, in the table and speaking his truth. Let's stand. Tell me, uh, uh, would, you, would you speak to me the mystery of faith? Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Tell, Tim, tell me, Grace, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. And he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain.